this is a good comment. Thank you. Yeah. I can use men come onto my both on now on Instagram and on um, TikTok trying to coach me. That's because of the, I mean, but Lenya, why do you have to put your videos out there, right? That would beg the question. You're doing it. You're kind of, and I'm not saying you're inviting it, but we know who's on social media and people want attention and now they want to complain that they only want good attention, but it's crazy people out there who give bad attention. And quite frankly, it begins, it begets this little social dopamine kick. You know, you post it, you get the likes, you get the attention, then you get some bad attention. You, I'm not saying you, I'm saying you, the people who do it, then they get bad attention, then they get outraged, then they fight. And it's like a way of feeling, it's a fake way of feeling productive. And I, I don't think that's, a, I don't think that's public policy discourse. Or I get, no, I get what you're saying, but let's think about, let's think about, I'm going to talk about it from my, my end. And some, I'm sorry, my hair looks so crazy. I'm sorry. I look crazy. I just didn't have time to shower. Actually, or I think you look great. Out. I showered and I'm having hot fits. So I look like, I you just look amazing. Fit. It's always anyway. Anyway, I like that bra. Thank you. It's because, yeah, well, my tits are so big that they don't fit in everything. So anyway, go ahead. You look great. Stop it. Anyway, I mean, for me, I'm just going to show it, take, because I know how this goes with other creators. But for me, I'm not putting the content out for likes because at the moment I'm shadow banned. So I'm not even getting really likes. Okay, but what do you put it out there for somebody like you or for somebody like who wants to work out? sees that I'm an older woman and that I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to put in the work and I'm willing to be there for them. And I'm showing up, I'm showing up for myself, but I'm also showing up for them. You know what I'm saying? Right. So Absolutely. I put it out there. Well, so and, why not? And you're putting it out there in public to try to get that. You're not closing the group. I mean, I totally get that. But with that, you know that social media is a place where People like to poke. So I know, I mean, put this in the education system. I do think he might listen to the podcast. I don't know, but he'll recognize himself in this. But he likes to poke. Like he will come sit in class, say the most outlandish thing. He knows that's close enough to a good answer, but just outlandish enough. So I can't just say that's outlandish and push it away. Then I actually have to engage a little bit with it. And it's very frustrating. And he does it because, I mean, quite frankly, he's, my sense is he's a deeply insecure person who needs to feel seen. And this is the way he engages in the world right now. But the idea that people are on the internet, you know, the men who are trying to coach you, who are mansplaining, that's just making them feel good. And the thing is, you have a choice. You could either engage back because you're the one who put yourself out there in the first place, or you can block them, but or you're not going to engage, or you can just ignore them. But, yeah, like, I delete that's, the but that's the case with so much of this, that it's just noise. And my sense is it's not adding so every time everybody's mad about something, I kind of want to always go look like, so for example, let's do it this way. Remember Zagat's, that restaurant guide? Yes. So it was like, you know, it was restaurant guide by real people. Well, here's what was really interesting. This is back in San Francisco. There's a restaurant called Silks, which was downtown in the financial district. And it had a really high rating by the customers, by the patrons. And Eric and I went there and it was like basically the worst goddamn dinner we've had. I mean, in San Francisco, I mean, this was like a hundred years ago we were living there. 
And the thing that we realized, like when you went deeper onto the website and you really read the full reviews, all the reviews were from business people who were visiting the San Francisco for the first time for business. And so it was a really good hotel restaurant. And they were talking about the food, but quite frankly, they weren't San Francisco's. I mean, this was early days in the foodie movement. They were like, oh, this is great food, but it was so not compared to what you could get anywhere else in the city. And it's because if you went six blocks away into a different neighborhood where people who lived in San Francisco were raiding the restaurants, like it was like a better match for me and Eric to find a restaurant. And it's that same thing with Twitter. Like who's commenting? You know what I mean? Are they morons in their parents' basement? Are they 35-year-olds living in their parents' basement? Are you really going to give a shit what they're saying? Because that's my sense of who's doing it. Or worse, bots from Russia who are like commenting to stow dissent among Americans. Like I just, you know, like that's my sense of who most of those people are. And which is what, you know, why I'm not on Twitter. I'm not really engaging in social media in any way other than high school reunion coming in November and pretty pictures on Instagram. I've backed off all the discourse because I find most of it to be advertising or hate mongering. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of hate mongering. There's a specific um, indigenous, he's an indigenous content creator that I follow on TikTok. He also is on Instagram. His name is called The Modern Warrior. And he, in the beginning, he used to uh, say, you know, have these like little videos about indigenous culture. You know, he has a master's in, in I guess, political science and, other, and, and something else. And, you know, he's very well educated and his videos were very informative. Right. And they're also about, you know, some of the policies, the hateful policies until August 21st of this year it was legal to kill indigenous people in this particular state. I didn't want to say Colorado, but. You know, so these are the types of things that he would talk about. But then, you know, because he was talking about it, he would get this amazing hate in his comments. Amazing hate. I wanted to let everybody know the thing that she's talking about. It wasn't just so everybody's clear in Colorado. It was not lawful to run and shoot at an indigenous person recently. Like it was more complicated than that. But it was in order in 1864, requiring Native Americans to gather in camps and calling for citizens to kill anyone who didn't comply. So that is a horrible law. It's absolutely disgusting. It wasn't in use, but obviously still on the law books, still on the books and needed to come off and absolutely the right thing to do. Absolutely a wonderful thing to do. And to coming too late. Yeah. It's 2021. Yeah. Right. 1864. I mean, that's horrible. Yes. So now, now the new kind of like now what he's kind of pivoted to is addressing some of these comments and correcting the comments in his videos. And so he starts out every video when he's talking to these people like, hey, colonizer. Right. Right. Because apparently they take a lot. This is the main problem. A lot of the people take real hate from this word. And I mean, like, it's amazing how hateful they become just from hearing this word. Right. And, and so, you know, he's constantly having to rehash this conversation about why 
colonization is still real and why people are benefiting from it. And it's just, you know, I used to like watching it, but now it's the same conversation. And I do feel like it's a little bit of this rabbit hole of him addressing the situation instead of ignoring the comments and moving the conversation forward into something else. Right. I see exactly what you're saying in this particular scenario. And I feel bad for him. I feel bad because I feel like, how must he feel getting all this hate all the time and then addressing it all the time? But he's making the choice to. He doesn't have to. No, I think he feels he's educating. But that could be or he's in a dopamine kick and that he gets off on it. I mean, some people get off on it. I mean, I'm not I don't want to actually like. You know, here's the thing. I want to approach this from neutrality. He's putting himself out. I mean, it's sort of like celebrities who claim they really don't want all the attention, yet they're constantly doing their things to put themselves in the attention. Because certainly when people want to take themselves off the radar, they can be off the radar. So it's the same kind of thing. Like, I don't have a lot of patience for people who claim victim but then continue to do the same things if he doesn't want to deal with the comments then he can change he could not you know you can post things yeah. and oh, but he doesn't come across like a victim he never ever comes across know, but like i don't even feel bad for him it's what he wants to do like it's what yeah, he's choosing to do like he's choosing to engage and i mean i think you know in some senses maybe we need people like that who's going to take you know, one person at a time and treat everybody as an individual and, and try to educate through those comments. My sense is, is that still people still are making comments hate. on those things. It's, yeah. They're not interested in discussion. They're interested in yelling. I mean, I saw that in Facebook during the Trump, during the Trump election where like I would get, I was engaged. That is when I was sort of doing it and I was engaging and I was you know, unfriending people and I was yelling in the comments or trying to educate the comments, but nobody wanted to listen. Everybody was just waiting for their next turn to yell and it really wasn't a conversation. And I was like, okay, this is not discourse. We're confusing what discourse means. And I don't, I, but that said, I do realize the great privilege. I don't necessarily mean white privilege, but certainly a part of it. But the great privilege of saying, oh, discourse, like it needs to be in the fancy halls of a college. I don't think that either. I mean, I love that discourse can happen in Clubhouse, in in Internet, in TikTok, in Facebook, in these other avenues, like as the great equalizer. But I'd have to say without people really agreeing ahead of time what the rules of the conversation are going to be, nobody's really interested in moving the conversation forward. You hit the nail on the head, Alex, without the rules. That's it. You hit the nail right on the head. There's no rules. Right. And I mean, and I don't think it should be Facebook or Instagram to set the rules necessarily. It's almost like you just have to set the rules like sort of in, you know, if you join a Facebook group and they have an administrator and they say, here are the rules of the road. Right. And for the most part, I think that actually tends to work in those Facebook groups where it doesn't become somebody selling something. It doesn't become somebody talking of like talking offline or engaging in real argument. I That might be a way that like, you know, you really sort of 
forward the conversation, but, and the idea that every individual needs to be a brand, I suffer with that because of course I kind of like that idea because any polymath, like you, my, my cousin, Gabriella, the artist, myself, you know, where we do many things, you kind of be like, no, I'm Alexander to tell you, I'm everything that I do. I don't want to be compartmentalized. But there is also, though, this place where I've been realizing, but there's a time when I want to see your dog and there's a time when I want to see your information. So I'm trying to sort of sit with that for a little, you know, the idea that like I loved following like Rachel Cargill's The Great Unlearning. Like I loved following that. And then it, I even like to some degree the body positive stuff. Like I really liked it. But then it really got to be like her and her brand. Look at, you know, I'm drinking wine tonight. Aren't I fabulous? And I'm like, okay, I fucking hated Sex in the City in any version of it. You know what I mean? And so it's, I, I can't do it. And I was like, I clicked on follow. I'm like, make that your personal thing. But if you want your brand to be having an intellectual conversation about something, I want to follow that. I couldn't wrap my head. And it's just because there are too many things calling for my attention. And I'm yeah. like, you know, and I check back on her every once in a while. I think I have two accounts. I think I still follow her on one account. So I could sort of check back on her, see what she's doing and refollow her. And there's no, I'm not throwing shade. I'm just like, you know, it's that concept of, of finding the right balance. And then the problem with social media gathers everybody, right? Having such an open and big tent, everybody has different needs and you can't please any everybody. And that's okay too, right? Like I'm not everybody's cup of tea. And you know, I tell people in my first class, you know, there are a lot of people teaching remedies. Go take it with somebody else if you don't like somebody who curses, you know, because I'm going to curse in class. It's going to happen. I'm going to do it. It'll be by accident. You know, it won't be directed at anybody. It'll be used as an adjective and I'm, it's going to happen. So funny you you should say this yesterday oh no this morning i was scrolling through instagram and this person i love called lovey ajay jones we talk about her all the time on I here because her. she's really good she did a post a reminder unfollow whoever you need to you curate your social experience so remove folks as needed even if that's me hate following is a waste of everyone's time and that surely can't be good for your blood pressure <laughs> and then she goes, P.S., your um, unfollowing announcement isn't needed either. She's right. She's right. And so I'm, ve I'm very much of that in that vein. So that's why I don't have all of this like angst around social media um, too much. And I mean, I, I really this year have decided that I am not comparing myself to anyone's journey, that my whole following, if I follow you, I want to see you succeed. I want to see the body positivity. I want to see you drinking wine. I want to see you thrive. So I don't care. But Rachel Cargill, I'm happy that she's comfortable to put herself out there in that kind oh, yeah. of way. Oh, As yeah. a black woman in the front of the world, just her showing up like that and having wine and being comfortable in that space makes me feel like she's winning. But how do you oh. know she's comfortable in that space? Can I challenge you at least on that? Just because I don't know, but the fact that right, she posted it makes of, her comfortable. Well, she's comfortable with posting it, but, you know, a psychologist might say she needs the outside validation because she's so deeply uncomfortable. Could be. 
But okay, even, I'm just saying, they, you're saying you want that. And I'm just saying, I just, I want her to know friend, that I'm here for her. I'm here for that. I okay. just want her to know as a person who follows her, that I am here for all the good and all the bad and everything in between. I, I see it. her and I want her to know that, that seeing her enjoy her life, even if it's, even if it's, if it's fake for me, for, for her to put it on there. But my seeing her enjoy her life inspires me to be comfortable to enjoy mine. So that's why I do it. But there's about a bunch of people I had to unfollow. I I mean, you know, I just, I had to do it for my mental health. Like, I don't want to see, you know, someone I know talking to someone I know that's racist and being friendly and arm and this, not this. The, I had to unfollow all of you, right? You know, right. those types of things I have to do. But I, I get it. Like, I get that social media can cause a lot of angst a lot with a lot of people because there's this comparison. There's this, this, there's also this deeper wanting to know more about what's actually happening with that photo or that post. But, you know, like I said, just for me, I just want to see people being happy and I want to support those people that I support. Now, those people that I don't want to support, I'm just like, whatever, you're out of my, you're out of my feed. But that's what I was saying last week about you can curate what you see. You can yeah, curate absolutely. what you see and absolutely. make it so that it's positive for you. Right. You know, I, I just realized how hippie dippy my Instagram has become. I think that's your influence. <laughs> it's true. I really like a happy Instagram feed. Yeah, I it's a very too. hippie dippy happy Instagram feed. And I've found my way on to spiritual TikToks turning into. See, you know, women who don't talk about crystals and the tarot and, and I'm loving it. And I'm it's here for funny. every last one of them. I love that. I love how supportive you are. I just always find that when I see someone and I say, oh, you know, you look so happy in the Facebook, you know, you must have had a great vacation. And then five minutes into a conversation, it turns out it was like the worst vacation on the planet. But the pictures were there to preserve the happy picture of a happy family. and. I just always want to remind people that's true. I mean, and I, then, well, yeah, well, I mean, social media is not real. I mean, we only post the best stuff. Yeah. I personally won't always post the best stuff. I like to post when my workouts are shit because I want people to know that not every day is a good day. So I will be no, posting the workout later because it's a good day. It's super important. I think it's super important to do that. It's yes. hard. I, what did he say? Okay, so everybody welcome. But this is, you joined us mid-conversation. We but thought it was one. good. So I yes. hit record. And so we haven't even gotten to what we were going to talk about, which we were going to do a check-in on our New Year's goals. I don't even remember what they were. I know that I'm doing better. <laughs> and Lenny is the one who suggested this. And she's, I don't even remember what they are. But you know what? I feel like I am in a much better place than I was in January. Like just overall. You know okay. what I mean? Like I'm sleeping better. This week was a bad, like last week rather, was a bad week with food. And it was something that I know that I wanted to work on a lot more. But it was one week out of, you know, eight months. So oh, I'm not going to beat myself up about it. I mean, but I will say this, that one week of bad food is why I had a bad training day today. Wow. So I know that I need to, like that, that everything is cyclical and I need to be better because I won't, you know, it's that one little thing of eating shit food causes three days of me not being able to hit my numbers in a way that I wanted. And I don't really have the time. I don't have the time anymore to be able to go, oh, well, I'll hit it next cycle. I don't have the time. 
I'm competing in 11 weeks. So this was a good lesson for me to keep back on track with my, my, with my food. But my sleep is so much better. I know that was one of the big things that I was working on at the beginning of the year. I am consistent, at least getting my seven to eight hours, just not consistent with the quality, but we're working on it. I just can't figure out what it is some days that makes it so that I have better quality sleep this day and a not so great this day. Obviously when I drink wine, that's never going to be good, but you know what I mean? Right. But I'm working on it. Sometimes though, when I drink like a whole bottle of white wine, I actually sleep really great. I'm just going to put it out there in the podcast universe. (laughs) That sometimes actually drinking helps me sleep. So, well, no, it'll help you get to sleep. with all the science. Yes. Sometimes I sleep really well and feel skinny the next day. See, the thing is, it, it does help you get to sleep. It does help me get to sleep. I just don't sleep well. Like the quality yeah. of my sleep shit. I remember that it, this was maybe four weeks ago. So funny story. Hung out with my friends across the street and their mom was in town. We were drinking. We were having a good time. We were having wine. We were having cheese. I was like, I'm just going to have a cheat day. I do this like once a week and I don't put on any weight because I'm, con- I'm pretty mindful, right? So it's fine. But this day, woo, I just nuts with the white wine, the red wine, the champagne. We were having a good time. It was probably one of the best nights I've had in a long time. Get home. And I was like, I know this is going to be a bad day, bad night of sleep. Get to sleep fine. I wake up in the morning to look at the statistics on my woo. I was 0% recovered. And I still had to work out. I had to deadlift. I was like, oh my God, was horrendous. That's horrible. Horrendous. So I will not be doing that kind of binging anymore. No. That's not (laughs) bad. It was fun at the time. It was fun at the time. All right. So I have my goals. You are so organized. I swear. I want to be you when I grow up. Okay, let's go. Everybody tell me. To be me. All right. Well, this is what I wrote. I probably wrote them. I'm, I'm such not really organized because I probably wrote these in a hundred different places and they're all different. But in one place that I happen to have my calendar right here. So one was physical health to do yep. another mutter and to be a goal weight. Nowhere near goal weight but I am doing another mutter and I am totally back in a workout routine, like lifting and until my toe is in a sling, but I was winning until the toe went in the sling. Okay. So then it was to find time to wonder and embrace my inner introvert. And I went to Albania by myself yes. and did that eight day trek. I think I did that. You definitely did that. To be graceful. Yeah, no, I'm still working on that. I am not graceful at all in anything that I do. Walking, talking, living. I'm a little graceful to other people, but I'm still working on that one. All right, to earn more by doing less. Actually, I really believe in abundance and manifestation. I kind of got seven writing leap clients by accident. You know, like I I went up to Mm -hmm. now I'm back at kind of at zero but, and that's fine for the semester, but I kind of earned more in, in that than I had before, even though it cost me more to, to do things, but it, it worked. And then I'm teaching an overload this semester, which is a lot more money and not a ton of work. So that's great. And then I actually, interestingly enough, like last year, I kept track of everything, like my eating, my books I read. I actually stopped tracking. I actually found that tracking was a source of anxiety for me. So mm-hmm. what's been interesting is that I actually haven't been reading as much, but I've been reading better books. 
So what's been interesting is like something shifted, but I'm still, it's still a good habit. And then I have to sleep soundly. No, I'm failing on that. And then to finish that draft of that book and I hit 62,000 words today. So you're well on track. I think I am. I mean, the weight thing. But, you know, I think the weight is hard. I'm just working on it. It's just I'm not. You know, the thing is, I'm not beating myself up about it. I went out and bought all good clothes. I still look good. I'm in really good shape. Mm -hmm. And I am not willing. I think this is the truth, like to cut out some of the things I would need to cut out to take it to the next level. And I'm just not ready to cut that stuff out yet. So it might be what it's going to be. So I'm kind of making my peace. and I'm not upset anymore. So I think I'm doing pretty well with my goals. I'm also trying not to measure myself. And I am saying no. I'm having a tremendously extroverted week next week. But I am saying no to a lot of things. Like just saying no, I don't want to see people. Partly Delta variant, but partly... You know, I like hanging out at home and reading or getting writing done. I haven't done any artwork this year, which is a little sad and surprising for me that I didn't. Maybe you should go to Joshua Tree and do it like you did last time. That was so, I like, well, lived vicariously through you. Maybe. I'll see if I can find another weekend. This semester's getting, this Delta variant continues to be weird. So I, you know, I taught with a mask on last week. That was weird. There was a camera, you know, there's a camera in the classroom. And Lenya, because I'm not graceful, like I was like with the mask on, it was like falling off. I had two hot flashes that nearly melted me to the ground. I announced it to the class that I was having menopause. So all these 24 year old boys were like, what is this woman talking about? But I well, was melting. They need to learn I that it's normal. I know exactly. I was like, I'm not being stigmatized by this crap anymore. Exactly. I am completely having not a pleasant menopause experience, and I am going to let everybody know. <laughs> but it was just, and then like the camera moves with you. So then, of course, I forgot I was in front of a class. This was right before class started. And I started doing little kicks like across the room because I was like, oh, look, it's following me. And then I noticed my arms look good. So I think you're looking great. Yeah, no, I can see the difference. Yeah. Well, you have a good eye for that. Anyway, so your sleep is a lot better. That was a major goal. Major goal because I I think think also bringing yourself under one brand, which I think the YouTube show is doing. Yes, I am bringing myself under one brand, and I think that was important to you, and I think that's really working. Oh, and I I did I did want to expand the business, and I've taken on new clients that are not actors, and I'm putting myself out there with my work more. I am there is a scholarship Australians in film scholarship called the Heath Ledger Scholarship. And I put myself out there to be one of the prizes, you know, a styling, a styling package for the winner. They get a closet assessment. They get a red carpet, you know, styling session if they have a red carpet event within their year and um, they get a photo shoot. Wow. So, you know, and, and, but it puts my, it puts me out there amongst this young actor community, but it also puts me in front of the judges and the judges are all usually famous actors. I don't know who they are this year. And it just putting myself out there in a way where I'm comfortable. I think that's amazing. Yeah. You know, 
And then I'm also, because I'm competing again, that's the other thing. I, I didn't know, like I know at the beginning of the year, I, I was just floundering, you know, exercise-wise. And now yeah. I feel like I'm on such a, I'm on a really good path. I have a good team. Just need like a physical therapist. I want one that's a woman, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't even know any. <laughs> so if any of our listeners out there know of a physical therapist that is a woman in the Los Angeles area, please send us an email <laughs> because I'm a little desperate. If I could just, yeah, then it would complete the team. You know what I mean? Like I would yeah. complete the team. But I feel like I'm working really well towards, I think, the goals that I started at the beginning of the year. I mean, I know that the major one that I constantly have written everywhere is to get, and that's you have written everywhere start getting better sleep and eating better. But I have to tell you, girl, I'm struggling with being a vegetarian and getting all the protein that I mean, I had to start eating meat and I'm grossed out by it and it's making me feel sluggish. Well, maybe change up your meat. Have you I thought know. about, are you doing fish? Are you doing salmon? I can't do fish. I'm allergic. Oh, so what about chicken? I'm doing turkey. Turkey's good protein. It's not as interesting tasting as chicken, though. Chicken, like chicken thighs, man. Well, this the texture of chicken, and this okay. is going to sound weird to people, but oh. the, the texture of chicken makes me think of human flesh, and I just can't. Yum. <laughs> I just can't. What about pork? But, yeah, I like pork. I had a pork chop the other day. Yeah, and I mean, it's protein. I get it. I mean, I get it. It's been what really about hard. bison or like finding something that's really that's not fatty? Yeah, that's going to be next. I, I found um, somewhere a butcher where I could get some. So I'm going to try that next. I mean, I'm trying everything, but I am feeling so because I just haven't had meat for almost a year and a half. And then all of a sudden I'm eating meat at least twice a day. And yeah, I, that's, I mean, it's, like it is such that. an easy source of protein. If you're trying to get what? Are you trying to get 150 grams? 115. 115 grams. I mean, that's the Every best, day. easier. Yeah, no, the easiest way to get there is meat. Is meat. I mean, or like what I do in the morning, because I'm also protein loading too. I have protein, whey protein is better than plant protein. So I do a whey protein powder in a depending on the day in a Greek yogurt, which is also high protein. So yeah. you have to watch the inflant. You know, I kind of have a histamine reaction or a lactose reaction to too much dairy, but I can usually do. So I'll do one day with a dairy Greek yogurt. And then the next day I'll use an almond yogurt that still has. So it's like, you know, everybody'll say, oh God, that's not really real. But I said, it, it still has super high protein in it and it tastes pretty good. And I have the unsweetened one mixed with the vanilla protein powder and I can get like 45 grams of protein. In yeah. That meal. Can't, I can't do what I like. I would have, I'm, I'm lactose intolerant and yeah. that way actually goes through me so quickly. I would be ill, but I have a really good plant-based protein that has a lot of protein. And then I have a collagen Powder that's full of protein. Yep. If well, you can tolerate, if you can tolerate collagen, again, I have a histamine reaction to it. So then I just get like sort of inflamed and nasally. Yeah. And so I have to watch collagen because bone broth is a really good. No, mine is plant based. Okay. Yeah. Bone broth is really good for protein. Oh, no. too. 
I know if you don't do it, you don't do it. I mean, but that's our, those- I'm open to it. I'm open. I was talking to guys, talked to my coach or rather I wrote her a note about it. And she was, when she sent me my check-in, she was like, well, what proteins are you eating? Let's talk about that. And so she was like, maybe, you know, it's something that I need to think about. So I'm open to, I'm open to lots of things. All my vegetarian and vegan friends are probably going to turn on me, but that's okay. <laughs> It's, you know, it's hard. I mean, I, we all should be eating for the environment. We should be eating no meat or treating meat as a condiment and not as a main source. I, I totally believe in that, but. Which is what I'm doing, really. I mean, it's not a main source of my protein. It's like I have turkey slices at lunch. Right. And that's fine. So. I don't know how someone like uh, Serena Williams does it. Like she's vegetarian. I don't know. She probably has cooked salmon with anchovies on top, which yeah. is one of my favorite meals, by the way. Like I can put <laughs> anchovies on top of anything and be happy. So I'm like all for cod with Eric will make ancho- like a little anchovy paste with basil and garlic and sprinkle it on top and get all your protein and all your omega-3s. Wow. And yeah, it's nice to live with a, a chef. No, I'm jealous. I mean, I am. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for him. So the other thing that we wanted to talk about today, which I'm going, but I think we're going to ask for, I, we want to, I think we should ask to hear from you guys, hear from mm-hmm. our listeners, like what you think. And I'm going to introduce this, that we were, I was having dinner with friends in San Francisco and she knows about the podcast. And this woman is an educator, Stanford educated educator, totally working on inclusiveness, a complete person who works as an anti-racist, not performative, not at all. Like she's the real deal. And but she is having a book come out and she says to me, well, what do you think about? And I'm talking she's talking about education, design and inclusivity. I mean, those are the things she's talking about in the book. And she's like, and I decided with my publisher to capitalize the W in white in addition to the B in black. And I, and she said, it's like, and there is a group of, and now I'm going to not know the name, but there is a black writers association who's advocating for that. That's what, you know, should be done. And I sort of sat back and thought of it. And of course I felt like an idiot because the first thing is I didn't know this was really a thing. So then I had to like sort of reason my way through it. I said, well, it, it's, you know, I've always believed as a writer uh, on the legal writer side, like you pick a style and then you just follow the rules of that road and the road changes all the time. And then you write for your audience. I said, I think it's important. Do you explain why you're doing it? Because that would become what's important. You know, if you explain why you're choosing to capitalize the W and white. I think it's all fair. But then I went home that night and I Googled and who knew a whole controversy that completely slipped by me because I would say half the newspapers in this country right now are capitalizing the W in white and half of them aren't. And the basic reason is that if you notice on our website, actually, I just I wrote it and so I'll own it like Lenya approved it. But it was like Lenny Wilson, a black woman with capital B and Alexander Detalia, a white woman with a lowercase w. And I did that extremely intentionally because and I didn't realize. Yes. But you just read it and thought it worked. Right. But here's the thing. I did it intentionally because 
you know, when I say, oh, I'm an Italian-American, I know from whence I came, right? I know my ancestry. And so in America, where this is really important, like Im the, everybody's immigration story is super important among the white privileged, right? Where people say, oh, you know, are you Irish-American? Are you Persian-American? Like, everybody wants their story. And then we have an entire race of people who, barring taking their DNA test and finding out, you know, maybe what region they might have come from, they have no idea because they were ripped from their country, brought over here in chains. And so the term Black American is a reminder that, you know, this whole class of people that are here do not know from whence they came. They don't have an immigration story. They have a slave story. And so it's important that Black is not descriptive, that Black is actually an indicator, a reminder. And I have to say, if Lenya had been a Nigerian immigrant who came over here 10 years ago, we might have had the conversation, is it more honest to say a Nigerian American than a Black American? I'm not sure. We would have maybe had that conversation. But that's why the capital B and then white was just a descriptor because I needed this whole podcast is about black women and white women talking together. And so I needed to describe myself and Caucasian just felt stupid. So I wrote white and then white is lowercase because if I'm going to use the appropriate proper noun, it would be Caucasian that would could be capitalized. So that's my spiel. Then you go you move into the comment about why people might feel that the W needs to be white. And it's because we're saying they're two separate cultures. Mm -hmm. Right. I would capitalize them both. I feel comfortable with that. I think capitalizing them both is they're the descriptors and they should be. I don't think one should be. I mean, we should go back and fix that in the white side. All right. So you want, uh, you want the W capitalized? Because I, yeah, I, like I, I feel it's a little white supremacy. That's what I don't like about yeah, it but all. But as long as you're also capitalizing the B in black, there's no, we're not, there's no one that's supreme. There's, we're e on equal footing. But one is a descriptor. One is, but I'm not, I don't, this is what's so weird, right? Because this thing gets to self-identity, right? And like everybody, and now we're really honoring self-identity. So let's unpack this a little, right? Because okay. I'm feeling really uncomfortable because I, Ooh. I don't identify. I mean, of course I'm white. Well, why don't right? you, you know what mean? So but I don't really. Italian-American. Right, well, New you Jersey Italian, Italian American. It's New Jersey Italian American, right? But I mean, that doesn't matter. It's still Italian American, right? Yeah, because that's because that's what's interesting to me, right? Because like I, when I growing up, right, our formative years, people say is between zero and seven, and then the next one is zero and fourteen, and you, you know, basically, you're very complete by fourteen in, in in terms of like identity, and the idea is like. I thought white people were waspy people. Do you know what I mean? Like they were and waspy people were the white people. And I was Italian and my friend was Jewish and my other friend was Polish. And you know what I mean? But the white Anglo Protestants were the white people, even though like I was white, but I don't think of myself as white culture because do you remember that? I know we're not supposed to like Woody Allen, but come on. Hannah and her sister is one of the best movies on the planet. And he's trying to be white 
basically not Jewish and he gets like Wonder Bread and a thing of mayonnaise. And I was and that's really funny to me because that is how I, you know, I was like, white people drink milk with their dinners, but Italian Americans don't. I mean, that shit's crazy. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, so I kind of, and I like, it's funny, right? Because in my students, I have all these, you know, might be Persian Americans, Armenian Americans, like come up and say like, you white women. And I always look at them like, you know, in color, you're whiter than me. Do you know what I mean? Because we're not talking about color now. Like I might be more olive colored than they are. We're not talking about skin color. We're talking about identity. They don't identify with being white. And I'm like, how do you know I do? You know, it's it gets complicated now that we're saying race and ethnicity are kind of the, the same. But they're so, not. But they're not. I know. But this is what's complicated because I don't want to be on that website well, as the white woman with a capital W, but I guess I am. Like, what? Listen, let's, let's do this. Let's do this. I have a solution. Let's little because we are bridging the gap of race. Yeah. Let's not make race a thing anymore. For us, you and I. It is not a thing anymore. We're not going to put black or white on it. We're going to change it. You're Italian-American and, and I'm an Afro-Latina. And that is what it is. Because those are our, that's our culture. All right. And we are bridging this gap where we're going to, it's not that we're ignoring race and it's not that no, we're getting because rid race of race. Race isn't everything. Well, race isn't everything. We identify as how we identify and I mean, people I like will that. Know that I actually, you know, means black and uh, Italian American means white. Well, absolutely. That, that. Ab- right. Absolutely. But you know what I really like about that is that, you know, one of the rules in fiction writing and any kind of writing actually is the more specific, the more universal. Right. That's that little mm-hmm. rule. And so obviously we are talking about a black woman and a white woman having a conversation. But this is and what I love about this. For you writers out there, this is a writer nerd conversation because you write Lenya's suggestion is perfect because it writes herself out of the dilemma. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Because and this is what's so interesting and why we should be talking about this all, because it is interesting. Like I applaud my friend who's deciding to do it in her book, and I think it makes a lot of sense. But I also was yep. just reading the New York Times today, and there was a was a black man writing an op-ed capital B, lowercase w, and I was like, you know what? It made sense in the context of the story he was telling. And I was like, that works for me. I mean, in the end, it's also, you can't take the context out of the rules. And mm-hmm. I'm going to go change our website right after this. Yes. Afro-Latina for me. Afro-Latina. You know, With a hyphen? I don't know if it's a hyphen or not. You'll have to I look think, I think it's probably a hyphen. Afro-Latina. Yeah. I mean, I'm... It's not a great term. A lot of black people, I mean, not a, yeah, a lot of black people don't like that term. But the thing is, I am not going to, I am not going to not acknowledge my mother and my father equally because they, I am equally oh, them. I, you know what I mean? And I think so that's really important. I think that's becomes very important. So just because when I look at you, I don't immediately see the Puerto Rican like traits i you know your skin is dark brown i get that but i think absolutely but a black person would look at me and go you're mixed right 
And you know, the truth is, what's fascinating to me is that in the era of self-identity, if we're really going to honor self-identity, then we need to do this all the way. Then let's do it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Let's just do it. Yeah. Everybody gets to pick the pronoun. Everybody gets to pick mm-hmm. how they identify with their ethnicity. I, I think if we're going to do it well, it's got to be all the way through. Exactly. And I, that's, and I think that's great. Yeah, you see, this was such a good talk. Yes, that was. I actually like that. <laughs> and I love I that we like solved the, the world's fact, problems. Well, I like the fact that we started out with the whole social media thing as well. I, I know. Because this is a real problem. A lot of people face this problem of anxiety around social media. No, it's true. It's true. So everybody needs to do everybody. So, I mean, I think that's awesome. Like everybody, you do you. Just don't hurt another human. As long as you do you and you're not hurting anybody else, that's really good. Just just there's this actress that I I follow who always says at the end of all her videos, now you have a nice day. And even if you're not having a nice day, don't make anyone else's day bad. All right, we're going to end with that, everybody. We love you. Thank you for listening. We're happy to be back. Find us on... Well, find us on social media. (laughs) (laughs) Or on the website. (laughs) Or on our website, womenbridgingthegap.com. I'm going to go make that change now. So give me five minutes before you go check the site, see if we've changed it. And um, with that, we're signing off. Bye. Bye.